Hey everyone, this is 30 Day Trek. I'm your host, Luke Gannon, and in this episode, we are covering the season one finale of Star Trek Discovery, Will You Take My Hand? This is the one where, after a diversion into the Mirror Universe, where we find out that the Captain Gabriel Locra that we've seen so far is from the Mirror Universe, the Discovery gets back to the Prime Universe, only to find out that they've been gone for nine months and that the Klingons are on the verge of wiping out the Federation. With their backs against the wall, Admiral Cornwall puts Mir Giorgio, who Michael grabbed on their way back from the Mirror Universe, in charge of the Discovery, and with a mission to jump to Kornos, the Klingon homeworld, to do a survey of the seemingly dormant volcanic network of the planet. Beaming down to an Orion colony, Burnham, Tyler, and Cadet Tilly soon realize that the drone that they brought with them isn't a drone, but a hydrobomb, and that the volcanic network is still active, and that in exchange for her freedom, Mir Giorgio is there to set off the bomb to destroy Kronos. This leads to a confrontation between Burnham and Admiral Cornwall on the bridge of the Discovery, which for me is the best scene in the first season of Discovery. Is this how Starfleet wins the war? Genocide. You want to do this here? Fine. Terms of atrocity are convenient after the fact. The Klingons are on the verge of wiping out the Federation. Yes. But ask yourself, why did you put this mission in the hands of a Terran? And why the secrecy? It's because you know it's not who we are. It very soon will be. We do not have the luxury of principle. That is all we have, Admiral. A year ago, I stood alone. I believed that our survival was more important than our principles. I was wrong. Do we need a mutiny today? to prove who we are. We are Starfleet. Is it you're suggesting? Every time a new Star Trek series debuts, there's always the backlash from the fans saying that this isn't really Star Trek and Gene would be spinning in his grave if he saw this. In regards to the latter, I think we've established that at this point in Star Trek's history, we're way past what one person would have wanted the franchise to be, even if it's the show's creator. And as for the former, it's easy to forget that this complaint has been said by fans ever since 1987 with the debut of The Next Generation. It's easy to forget in the early days of its bad first two seasons that a lot of old school fans that grew up watching TOS from 21 years prior saw Picard, Riker, Data, Geordi, Crusher, Worf, and Troy as pretenders to the throne that the next generation wasn't real Star Trek, which was said again and again and again with Deep Space Nine, Voyager, and then Enterprise. So the question of whether or not a new Star Trek series is real Star Trek is a question that every series answers at some point. Because Star Trek isn't about redesigned Klingons or epic space battles or callbacks to previous series or heavy serialization or traumatized characters that cry at the drop of a hat or whatever the hell old school fans bitch and complain about. 
Star Trek is about the belief that our fate is not one of self-destruction, but of self-improvement. That, with the right amount of ingenuity and compassion, that we can become part of something greater than ourselves. And that scene, with Burnham taking the hard lesson that she learned in the pilot, and bringing it into the defining moment where the soul of the Federation is at stake, and then Saru standing up from the captain's chair and saying those three words that Doug Jones delivers with so much weight and meaning, followed by everyone else on the bridge... That was, for me, when Star Trek Discovery answered the question of, is Discovery really Star Trek? And that answer was, fuck yeah! As for the rest of the episode, rewatching it recently, unlike the previously mentioned episode, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, Will You Take My Hand requires a lot of context going in. This is one where you have to see every episode beforehand for it to have the proper emotional impact. It works better as part of a whole, but I think it works well enough to be watched by itself. I hadn't seen it since it aired, so I had forgotten that at this point in the Klingon War, it was primarily one house that was leading the charge, and that the whole point of the war from the Klingon side was to bring the disparate 24 houses together, which makes the gambit of Burnham giving the detonator to Laurel so that she could become Chancellor and end the war all the more satisfying for it to pay off the way it did. And seeing Mary Chifo as Laurel reminded me what a great character she was and how much of an effort Mary put into the role. And while we saw her again in Season 2, I hope she pops back up again in Strange New Worlds. I love the idea of there being an Orion settlement on Kronos, and seeing the bifurcated urine stream from the one drunk Klingon in the market again makes total sense given what we know about Klingon anatomy. Also, this episode had a unique guest star with Clint Howard, Ron's brother, as the Orion who gives Tilly drugs to get high with. He's the only actor whose career had, at the time, spanned the entire Trek franchise, since he famously played Baylock in the classic TOS episode The Corbomite Maneuver, a homeless man in Deep Space Nine's Past Tense Part 2, and a Ferengi in the Enterprise episode Acquisition. While it's great to see the established cast members show up in later versions of Trek as the older selves of their characters, it's even more fun to see veteran character actors play multiple roles over the half-century history of the franchise and chart their careers. And speaking of casting, Mia Kirshner as Amanda Grayson, Spock's mother and now Burnham's adopted mother, always threw me for a loop since I know her as Mandy from 24, who blew up a plane in the pilot of that series and then poisoned David Palmer in the season 2 finale via handshake. So, seeing her as the always loving and supportive Amanda is weird to me, whereas James Frayne as Sarek was a great bit of casting. In the final scene, when Saru said that they were going to be going to Vulcan to pick up their new captain, I went, why? You were doing such a great job! And of the many things I was so glad to see happen in Season 3 of Discovery, the crew choosing Saru to be their captain was high on the list. And I wish he was still captain in Season 4. And as for the final moment of the original NCC-1701 Enterprise appearing on screen, after the first season and this episode in particular, it worked because it was earned. And that's it for the season finale of the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Join me tomorrow when we, along with the crew of the Discovery, jump 930 years into the future and look at my favorite episode of the third season, one that weaves numerous threads of the tapestry that is Star Trek together and that I have something of a personal connection with. Live long and prosper, and also, live well. (laughs) 